Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. So grateful once again for this privilege to come together, to sit at your feet, O oh God, to learn of you. And Lord, we ask that in all that we do this evening, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be glorified because it's all about you, O oh God. Sweet Holy Spirit, we ask you that you please come and just overshadow us, breathe upon each one of us, illuminate your word to us, grant us revelation that will transform our lives, that will make us the people that you created us to be. And so please take absolute control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, um, tonight, um, in, the, in the time that we have, we want to look at the subject of worship. And... Um, it's, it's actually quite a vast topic uh, I've been studying, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to talk about. So we're just going to pick on certain salient things that I hope will at least stimulate our continuous study of this very important aspect of, uh, of, of our relationship with God, the, the topic of worship. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, in a sense zoom through some scriptures but we'll focus on one or two i just wanted to highlight one or two or three things today as we look into the bible and um, i'd like us to do it together please um, I'd, I'd like us to just share our thoughts and experiences i'll share you my thought i'll share my thoughts and then if you please share your thoughts as well as we look through uh, the Bible concerning worship is actually interesting. The more you look, the more you realize that from Genesis to Revelation, the entirety of the Bible is actually about worship. But we'll come to that in a second. Um, last week, well, actually, the last two weeks, we, we've been talking about fasting and prayer. And last week, we talked about, we looked in detail into the topic of fasting. I'm going to start with a question. And, and anybody feels, should feel free to answer. What has worship got to do with fasting? Or does worship have anything to do with fasting? Anybody at all? I, I, I would say, I, I think, Pastor, I, I think it has to do with, um, um, although I, I, I am eating because I am unwell, but... Um, the little I've been able to do, I would say, I, I think it has to do with um, being vulnerable before the Lord. We, we are anyway, but it. I mm. think, I, just my experience, I think it has to do with being completely um, unarmed, I guess you could say, and vulnerable before the Lord. Okay. And letting Very... him strength, strength, strengthen you so that he actually even gives you the words to, to say you're, you're so bereft of I guess of, of anything that you would have as an armor I, I suppose okay very very good I like the word being vulnerable before God any anybody else what has worship got to do with fasting are they related are they completely different 
um, aspects of our relationship with God. Anybody else? Anybody? Good evening. Um, I think worship too is a sacrifice. Okay, very good. And fasting is a sacrifice. And it's also a means of communication, which is vital during worship, during um, fasting and prayer. It's a means of communication. Okay, all right. Uh, that, that's also very good. So being vulnerable, communication, uh, sacrifice. One more, one more person. Worship and fasting. I, because okay oh sorry no go ahead okay go somebody was going to speak yeah because fasting yes. brings our flesh down and brings our spirit alive yes. and worship is spirit to spirit yes. so it gives us our spirit is more or less set free from all the things of the world yes. our spirit is more alive to communicate with god so in the place of worship you're more in tune with him you're more alive to what's happening up there Okay. It just brings the spirit alive, so you worship in total abandon. Okay, all right, I like that. And Ayo, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say that worship is almost like acknowledging God's goodness and just like his sovereignty. Yeah. And with regards to fasting, it being a means to build intimacy with God, it's like the two connect because, yeah that's how I see the intersection of just like building intimacy with God and acknowledging his sovereignty and just like his goodness. Okay, wonderful answers. Um, but what I've noticed from the four answers is that each one of you, you are connecting fasting with worship. Um, I, I think the last person said, uh, fasting subdues the flesh and allows you to connect with God. But I think we must realize that there's actually no separation between the two. Uh, fasting is actually part of worship. Now, I'm going to read that scripture we read um, last, last week about fasting. I'll read it very quickly, and then we'll go on very quickly from there. Isaiah 58, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. If you just... Listen carefully to the words of scripture. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says they come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf pretending that they want to be near me. Um, just note that, pretending that they want to be near me. So it's presuming or it's saying that, connoting that fasting brings you near God. It says in verse three, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. He says, I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. And then verse 4, that's where we ended. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Um, and then this is the key in verse 5. It says, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in bollock and cover yourselves with ashes. 
The, the reason why I wanted to emphasize this, ladies and gentlemen, is that the key component of fasting, um, you know, we said last week that fasting is about denying yourself. Um, and we, you, you, we fast, we deny ourselves so that we can be able to focus on God, come close to God. Uh, our spirits are sensitive to God. The key element of fasting is that word humbling. We humble ourselves before God. And what does it mean to humble oneself before God? That's where worship comes in. You see, if you read the Amplified, let me read the Amplified. Um, I'm going to find it in the, in the Amplified. That's Isaiah 58. It says, uh, Isaiah 58. Let me just find it as quickly as I can. And listen to what he says. Um, it says, uh, from verse, from verse three, why have we fasted, they say, and you do not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? But the, the scripture that actually helped me to understand the connection is in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. That's the first time the Bible actually talks about fasting. Um, Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Let me read that again to you. In the Amplified, Leviticus 16, and um, I think it's verse 29, verse 29. Listen to what he says. This is God giving instructions. He says, this shall be a permanent statute for you in the seventh month, that's nearly October, on the 10th day of the month, you shall humble yourselves by fasting and not do any work. So fasting, ladies and gentlemen, has that key element of humbling ourselves. You know, we talked about fasting. You deny yourself. The whole essence is that we can come to God humbling ourselves. And that leads me to the big question, and I'm sure you already know where we're going, the key question is, what is worship? I wanted to start this way just so we understand that all that we've been doing, particularly in fasting, is a key component of our worship of God. So the question is, what is worship? So you, uh, if you think about it for a minute, um, because we're going to do our declaration at, uh, 714 which will be in a minute what is worship okay um once it's 740 okay 714 so let's do our declaration oh lord we are your people called by your name we humble ourselves we pray and we seek your face we turn away from our wicked ways Hear from heaven, O Lord, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We declare that our land is healed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Okay, what is worship? And I'm going to move very quickly. Anybody, just, just, what is worship to you? What is worship? Anybody? 
Communication with God. Communication with God. Anybody else? Communication with God. Anybody else? What is worship? Praising God. Praising God. Okay. Um, whoever said praising God, remind me that we must clarify. What is worship? Showing admiration to God. Sorry, somebody said something just now. Please go on. I said showing admiration to God. Showing admiration to God. Very good. Anybody else? I think it's giving God whatever is due to him. Very good, Nani. Giving God what is due to him. Anybody else? What is worship? I think it's a, sorry. I think it's a lifestyle of surrender to God. Is, is this divine? Yes, this is divine. Okay, all right. Remind me, divine, that we're going to talk about that surrender of your life to God. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. I think it's pouring out your heart to God. Pouring out your heart to God again. That's good. Now let me let, 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 let me let me say. Let me say this now at this point, because we're going to go into that later. But let me say, we have to distinguish between the act of worship, that's the expression of worship, and the heart of worship. They're not the same thing, even though we do them together. And the tendency is usually when we talk about worship, we focus on the act of worship or the expressions of worship. And it is part of worship, but I wanted us to understand what this worship really means. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read a few scriptures very, very quickly. And I, I just want you to think about them. Just think about them. And let's see whether we can define what worship is. Just, just, Listen to them. So let's start with Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. You know the story. Um, uh, at the la in the last verse, it says in verse 26, When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. One translation says people started to call on the name of God. Think about that, okay? Let's go to Genesis, uh, to, let's do Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read Genesis 12. It says, this is talking about Abraham. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I'll give you this land to your descendants. And, and Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 8, after that, Abraham traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ear to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Let me find that in the Amplified as we just journey through the Bible, just so we understand what worship is. So Genesis 12 let me read verse 8 in the Amplified. It says, Then he moved on from there to the mountain of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and air on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord in worship through prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Uh, let's try some other scriptures. Genesis 22. 
22. The whole Bible is about worship. Genesis 22. Let me read verse 5. Again, it says, uh, um, th this is when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. He says, stay here with the donkey. Um, Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Why was he calling what he was about to do worship? He says, we will worship there. He knew exactly what God had asked him to do. And then he says, we'll worship there and come right back. So many examples in scripture, ladies and gentlemen, but I hope you're thinking through this. What is worship? Um, Genesis 24. 20 verses 26 uh, to 27, the, uh, uh, Abraham had sent his, his servant to go and uh, find a wife for his son Isaac. Verse 26, the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, he said, the Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. Um, I could go on and on. Let's look at Exodus in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 4. I am sure as I'm reading, there will be lots of examples that come to your mind as well. Exodus chapter 4 in verse 1. I'm sorry, I beg your pardon, verse 31. Verse 31. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Ladies and gentlemen, what is worship? What is the essence of worship? Because there's a difference between the essence of worship and the expression of worship. Most times when we talk about worship, we are describing, or rather most times when we're describing worship, we're, we're, we're talking about the expressions of worship, but we want to understand what is the essence of worship. Somebody says here, worship for me is the totality of our God experience, which can be expressed in various ways. Again, expressed in various ways. You were talking about the expression. What is worship? Okay, I love this, surrender. Anybody else? You you can speak if you want to. Anybody else? What is worship? Good evening, Pastor. go on. Um, I believe that worship is the true, uh, is the show of true love and adoration of God. Okay. And it is an unquestionable devotion to God. Wonderful. Very very good. And I'm getting some fantastic. Um, answers acknowledging God for who he is ladies and gentlemen the first thing about worship must be acknowledging God for who he is remember Genesis chapter 4 the first time that the word worship was mentioned it says people started to call on the name of the Lord the Bible says call on the name of the Lord in worship what were they doing they were acknowledging that this is our God. They were, you know, to, to call on the name of the Lord is proclaiming the identity of God. We know who you are. You know, we know your nature. We know that you're God. So the first thing about worship is always acknowledging God for who he is. I love this. It says devotion to God. Tony, um, yeah, another person has said acknowledging God. We're created to worship. Okay. Any other things? So 
we know worship is about acknowledging God. What else makes up the essence of worship? There's so many things that you can throw at me. What is worship? Jennifer? I said knowing that you need him, acknowledging that you need him. Okay, again, acknowledging God, depending on God, okay? Because of time, I'm going to throw these words at you. Um, because I knew that there's a lot to look at, to be honest with you, but I hope it'll at least stimulate your appetite to look into the Bible yourselves and just understand the essence of worship. So the first thing is acknowledging God, acknowledging who God is. The second thing about worship that's fundamental about worship is not just acknowledging God, but honoring God, honoring God. You know, honor is a very, very important aspect of worship. The, 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 the English word worship is actually made up of two old Anglo-Saxon words, worth and ship. So we are acknowledging God for who he is, but also his worth. So a lot of worship must, the essence of worship must encompass your, your appreciation of the worth of God, honoring and respect, uh, respecting God. Do you know, if you read the Bible, you will understand why worship is so important to God. When people don't honor God, as the children of Israel did quite a lot in their, in their journey, uh, it, it was very annoying and frustrating to God. So we acknowledge God, but we also honor God. And then none of you mentioned the word we used at the beginning when we're talking about fasting. What is fasting? It's humbling ourselves before God. How is humbling a part of worship? How is humbling or what makes humbling yourself worship? Anybody? Realizing we are nothing without him. Sorry? Realizing we are nothing without him. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, to, to, to humble yourself, to bow yourself is not just to acknowledge the person, but also acknowledging the, 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 the sovereignty of the person over you. If, 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 it, it, it's quite interesting. I'm trying to read the Bible through uh, from Genesis to Revelation. I try to do that every now and then and that encourage each one of you to do this. Um, I'm, I'm now in the book of Samuel. Um, it was from the book of Samuel that God started to give the children of Israel kings. And they said to Samuel, um, give us a king like the other nations have kings. You know, that actually infuriated God because he was thinking, hey, haven't you realized that by now I'm your king? You know, you don't need a human king. But the reason was that they could not connect with God in that sense. You know, they needed somebody that they could bow down themselves their, their to. They were used to people bowing to kings, humbling themselves before kings. And for us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a, a key essence of our worship of God must be that humbling of ourselves constantly, acknowledging that without God, we are nothing. Let me throw some more words at you. Um, so somebody talked about adoration, very, very important. So when we worship God, we are adoring God, loving God. Uh, one of the things about worship is also that 
we value and treasure God. This is so important, ladies and gentlemen, that the essence of worship is that, 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 that we see God as our treasure, our everything. And you'll understand as we look through the Bible. One last word that um, I wanted to, actually two words that I wanted to throw at us, and then we'll move on very quickly, is that part of the essence of worship is that we are in awe of God and we revere God. Um, in Deuteronomy, let me find the scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, when God was giving them his commandments through Moses. Incidentally, I, 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 if you read the Bible, um, worship started as personal worship. A lot of the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were, they, they, the Bible described their personal worship. It wasn't until the book of Exodus that we started to see God calling people into corporate worship, particularly after the Exodus. Let me find that scripture in um, Exodus, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter, da, 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 da. I think it's chapter 10, De Deuteronomy chapter 10, I think it is, um, sorry, I'm just looking at Deuteronomy, just bear with me, let me find that scripture, it just popped into my mind, um, it says, um, Deuteronomy 12, sorry, Deuteronomy 10, I beg your pardon, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him. You know, the fear of God is one of the critical elements of worship. And again, when you go through the Bible, you realize that it's one of the things that has undermined our worship of God, where because we don't fear God as we, we don't revere God as we should, a lot of us are careless in our attitudes towards our worship of God. The two things that I wanted us to look at um, in the time that we have, and then I'm hoping that we can do this in 10, 15 minutes, and then Let's just ask questions. If you have any questions, as the Lord leads, um, we'll try and answer them. Like I said, there's a lot to talk about worship, but I hope this just will stimulate your appetite to look into the Bible and understand what is pleasing to God. First thing is, how do we worship God acceptably? How do we, having understood or beginning to understand the essence of worship, remember the essence as compared to the expression of, of worship. How do we worship God acceptably? And the reason why this is important, ladies and gentlemen, as um, we look into this vast topic is because of two stories that I would like us to look at in scripture. The first, again, you know, uh, it's in Genesis chapter 4. Remember, Genesis chapter 4 was the first time that worship was mentioned. So Genesis chapter 4, you know the story. It says, um, 
let me read from verse one. Now the man Adam knew Eve as his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have obtained a man, a baby boy son, with the help of the Lord. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Excuse me, um, Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks of sheep and goats, but Cain cultivated the ground. And in the course of time, uh, and the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had respect, regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry, indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? And why do you look so annoyed? If you do well, believe in me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do, if you do not do well, but ignore my instructions, sin crouches at the door, its desire is for you. Let me, let me just emphasize that, that says, and, and if you do well, believe in me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me. So ladies and gentlemen, I was wondering, what exactly was the problem? What was the difference between Cain and Abel? After all, Cain brought an offering. So how come one was acceptable to God and the other not? Anybody? <laughs> could it could it be without uh, and and I I, I I humbly say that I I am not here so yeah, you humbly you humbly but, as in you are worshiping uh, uh, <laughs> but could it be joking. without could it be without thinking of your reward or what you want or what you actually want as a result of the reason you are worshiping as opposed to worshiping because God is God Mm, okay. Um, no, no. was his first fruits. Sorry. His first fruits, first okay. of everything. Yeah. Okay. But what about it? So what, what about the first fruits? Cain brought his first fruits, the first of everything. Yeah. So what about that? Why? Why was that different from? Is that the reason why God did not accept um, 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 Cain's own Cain's offering? I think it was a heart issue and want to be totally selfless and appreciate God for who he is. Okay, fantastic. Um, let, let me read some of the, the comments. It says, worship must come from our hearts. Worship, okay, I'm, I'm going, going to go to that scripture, Isaiah 29. It says, attitude is everything. We cannot come to God like he owes us or we're doing him a favor. Fantastic. Uh, the the dummy says the heart behind the presentation. And that's exactly what the issue was. Remember I said, there's a difference between the essence or the heart of worship and the expression of worship. The truth guys is that a lot of times we are expressing worship, but what is in our heart is not in sync with what we're doing. So what was the issue? Look, look at what the, how the Bible says. It says, um, 
Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock. So it wasn't just the fact that it was the firstborn, it was the finest. Why was he bringing the finest? Why was he bringing the finest? He must have said to, the, to himself, you know, this God, this God, you know, I must honor him. I must respect him. Remember all the things we said, define worship. You know, I must have regard for him. You know, so he, 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 uh, he from his heart, he was reverencing God. He was in awe of God. Whereas I imagine Cain must have just said, oh, they say we should be bringing something to this God, you know, to offer to this God. Let me just get something and offer to the God, to, to this God. Now, for him, in today's terms, I've gone to church and I've sung and I've worshipped. The question is, is it acceptable worship or not? Let's look at what Jesus himself says in, um, in uh, Matthew. Let's look at Matthew. Sorry, actually, John. And this is the bit that I wanted to focus on for a few minutes. So John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Actually, no, sorry. Let me read Matthew first. And then we'll do John. So Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. And I'll read verse, verses 8 to 9. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, for they teach as doctrines the precepts of men. L listen to what he says, in vain they worship me. I read a commentary about this that says that what he meant is that the, the worship is meaningless. <laughs> it, it actually doesn't mean anything to God. And the reason is because they are expressing honor from their lips, but their hearts are actually far away from. And that's really a big challenge for us, ladies and gentlemen. You know, particularly at a time like this where we're fasting, we're praying, remember we're humbling ourselves before God, we're seeking God. It's critical that the two elements of worship are in sync, the heart and the expression, the essence and the expression of our worship. Um, so how do we worship God acceptably? Let's look at this, and this is our core scripture for today. We'll just look at it very quickly. Remember I said there's a lot to talk about worship. So John chapter four, you all know the story. Um, it's become the gold standard in terms of describing what is acceptable to God in worship. So John chapter four, let's read from verse 19. Let me do it in the New Living Translation to start with, and then we will amplify. So John chapter four from verse 19. Says, Sir, the woman said, this is Jesus talking to the woman, the Samaritan woman. Incidentally, um, if you read from the beginning, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the Bible says that Jews hated Samaritans. They didn't mix with Samaritans. Um, if, you, if you've done a study on the difference between Jews and Samaritans, you'll realize, you'll find out that Jews and Samaritans were all together at once. At, at the beginning, they were all Israelites. Then when the kingdom of Israel was divided into northern and southern kingdom, 
uh, Jeroboam, who then led the Northern Kingdom, started to institute a different kind of worship. You see, the people, when, when, when God brought his people out of Israel, you know, he, he instituted the tabernacle, the forms of worship, the burnt offerings, the sacrifices, all of those things, incidentally, all of those burnt offerings and sacrifices were meant to honor, respect, acknowledge, and humble themselves before God. So the kingdom splits into two. Jeroboam takes the northern end, and then he starts to institute a different kind of worship. Um, and that's where the separation started to become more profound spiritually. Eventually, when the king of Assyria conquered um, Israel, particularly northern Israel, they now started to intermingle with the, the Assyrians, the pagans around, and they adopted more of the paganistic types of worship. So when Jews um, differentiate themselves from, from Samaritans, it's usually the root of it is that their worship, they feel that the worship of God is corrupted as compared to their pure form of worship. Anyway, so Zesar 19, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped again? If you read, read the history, um, there were two mounts that when, when they were crossing into the promised land, there were two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebel. Mount Gerizim was meant to used to be to pronounce curses, Mount Ebal to pronounce uh, blessings. Um, Mount Gerizim was in Sumerian territory. Mount Ebal was closer to uh, Jewish territory. Okay, so it says, where was I, sorry. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Verse 21, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews, and that's true. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in this, will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth, ladies and gentlemen, over to you in, in the sense of what jumps at you. How do we worship God acceptably? What makes our worship acceptable to God? Who's going to start? I can start, Pastor Shola. Okay, Biela. It's sincerity of heart. Very true. Very, very good. What does that mean, sincerity of heart? It means that you've uh, all the things we said before. So when you have sincerity of heart, number one, you've, you've acknowledged God for who he is. You're honoring God. You definitely humble yourself. You have the reverential fear of God. Yeah. And you're completely submitted to him. So your heart is right and your attitude is right. 
Wonderful. The totality of it makes you have a sincerity of heart. Very, very good. Thank you so much. Um, Ayodele says genuinely from the heart. Okay, that's great. That's one sincerity of heart. What else makes worship acceptable to God? By the Holy Spirit. Sorry, Tony. Holy Spirit. Okay, what about the Holy Spirit? So we must worship God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, it's not that we must worship God by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, but I understand what it is you're saying. We'll, we'll, we'll um, redefine that. Um, when he says in spirit, what is the Bible referring to? Or what is Jesus referring to? anyone for example i could say you might start worshiping god with a song and you might not know the next one that is coming but the holy spirit will prompt you for the next song you should sing and also when you're worshiping god it's like you're doing it by yourself from your heart you're not doing it because someone next to you you want them to see you you know it's really really sincere worship as someone said really from the heart and true worship from you from your spirit soul and be, from your spirit soul and being with everything in you okay all right um i, 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 I think, I think that worshiping him in spirit is speaking in tongues speaking in tongues yeah okay no that's not what it means um but you can worship god with with tongues you you can um somebody was going to say something else uh, Philippians 3 3, you know, where Paul said, oh, we're, we're losing you. We're losing you. Um, okay, anybody else? Just one more and then we'll move in on. Honesty and truth. Sorry? Honesty and truth. Uh, no, in spirit. In spirit. Oh, okay. in spirit. Mm. okay, so Candice. Um, has helped us. Your spirit is your will, your intellect, your heart, your passion, your emotions. What it simply means, ladies and gentlemen, is that to worship God in spirit. Remember, Jesus is saying that this is what he, he wants. This is what's acceptable. It means that you're worshiping God with the totality of what is inside of you. All your emotions, your faculty, your, your intellect. Um, the, your worship is coming from your core it actually takes your attention. You know, many times we are worshiping God, but our minds are all over. Well, we're supposed to be worshiping God, but our minds are all over the place. And that happens to us a lot. Incidentally, um, Tony, I was, I'm sorry, Tola, I was going to say to you when you talked about when you're singing, um, I, I wanted to emphasize, ladies and gentlemen, that singing is not the same thing as worshiping. I'm sure you realize that by now. Um, you can be standing and singing. It doesn't mean that you're worshiping if all these ingredients of the essence of worship are not there. And to worship in spirit means that that singing that you're doing is actually coming from all of your being. You are connecting your mind, your intellect, your emotions with God. You are trying to connect with the spirit of God. Um, and, and then um, for the person that mentioned the Holy Spirit, you're absolutely right that the, the appropriate way to worship God is that we now look to and depend on the Holy Spirit to help us. 
because the spirit, you know, like like Bible says in the book of Romans chapter eight, uh, talking about prayer that we don't know what uh, how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God helps us to pray the mind of God. It's the same thing with worship, that we lean to the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to uh, what's the word now to um, to to stimulate our worship and guide our worship. So what you are trying to say, Tola, is that sometimes when you're singing, because you're in tune with the Spirit, you're sensitive to the Spirit, you hum you've humbled yourself and surrendered yourself, the Spirit will lay things on your heart, songs on your heart, that will guide your flow of worship, and that's absolutely correct. And um, um, I, I, I could go on and on, ladies and gentlemen, let me see some of the chants. But is your Spirit the totality of your being? No, no. So it, you... <laughs> Your heart is the totality of your being. Your heart is the combination of your soul and its connection with your spirit. Yeah. So let, let's understand that. Uh, let me see this. It's important to live a life of repentance. This is what helps to purify our heart. And this is purity of our heart that God is looking for. Very, very true. Very true. I am just going to go quickly. I apologize. I just wanted to make sure I touched on these things. I wanted to go, let me go to the third element I wanted to emphasize. But just to reiterate what Jesus was saying in John chapter four, there's one fundamental thing we mustn't forget about worship. Remember we started by saying that worship is acknowledging God. And look at what Jesus says, he says, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't really worship God if you don't know God. And I'm not talking about knowing God superficially. Uh, uh, the, 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 the sole essence of our reading the Bible is to help us to know God. And the more we know God, the more we can acknowledge him for who he is, the more we can appreciate his nature, uh, you know, his, the, the, the way he is, his, his character. And that is so critical to worship. Um, so the emphasis, ladies and gentlemen, is the knowledge of God. So when he says, we worship God, the, the kind of worshiper God is looking for is those who worship him in spirit, remember, in spirit, from your heart. It engages all of you, connected with your spirit that you bring before God. He then says, in truth, in truth has two components. There's the sincerity we talked about, that you know, you're sincere in what you're bringing to God, you're sincere in your devotion, your your, 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 your respect, your honor of God. But it also means worshiping God for who, let me say it properly. It, it means worshiping God in the true knowledge of who he is. I, I hope somebody understands that, yeah? So those are key elements that I want to encourage us to start to look into and think about. You know, as I was studying, 
many times I'd be reading and I was just chastised in my spirit because the truth is there are many things we do in church that we say is worship is not really worship because our minds are not there or we're not really engaging uh, the, the, the whole of us. We're not really humbling ourselves and respecting God. And I can use examples, but I, I don't want anybody to feel um, condemned. Let me read this. It says, we must distinguish between the inner essence, the heart of worship, and the expression of worship. And where there's no heart in that dimension, don't call it worship. If your heart is not engaged, it cannot be worship. Um, but let me, I wanted us to touch on something very, very quickly, because there were two things I wanted us to um, just grapple with. The first is, how do we worship? But Well, the first thing was understanding the essence of worship. The second is, how do we worship acceptably? The third thing, and we'll do that very quickly, um, just for a few minutes, and then if there are any other questions, we'll try and um, answer them, is is worship just your expression of it remember it starts from the heart and then we express it for a lot of us our expression of worship as has been described already is in the singing the praising the dancing and all that is that all there is about worship anybody okay so i can see the answers coming divine this is why i said to remind me towards the end but can somebody just say yeah yeah i believe um it's part of um reverencing god sorry and, oh, start, um, start again what did you say Tola? okay i said i believe it's part of reverencing god what is part of reverencing and, god um, you, you said um is worship just um expressing our love yeah. if i heard you right and yeah. i said no it's part of reverencing god and also showing our love our appreciation to him as our father yeah. you know appreciating everything he he so, does so, so for my us. question tola is how do you do all of that how do you show your appreciation to God? How do you express your love and adoration to God? How do you humble yourself before God? How do you acknowledge God? How do you do that? How do you do all of this? Oh, I should say something. The questions have got bigger. <laughs> okay. Shall I quit? Yeah. Got bigger. Can, okay. can I say it is also in acknowledging the fact that there is no life outside God? So yeah. we keep the whole of ourselves to him. We walk in sync with his will for us. He has given us willpower. We're mm -hmm. acknowledging his supremacy and all of that. We give it back to him. We daily ask what he wants us to do, how he wants us to do it, when, mm -hmm. where he wants us to do it, who he wants us to impact. You know, we do everything that has um, positive eternal consequences, knowing that even though he's given us free will to go and do what we want, but in actual fact, it's all part of his story. Okay, they are very right. My question is, how does that work practically? How is that played out in a practical way? Okay. Let me help you by saying that one of the things, one of the challenges with worship is that we consign worship in our understanding to our time of devotion, our, our, our quiet time when we are worshiping God, 
And when we have corporate worship, when we come to church and we sing the songs, is that all there is about worship? No, it's not. It's the entirety of our being. Sorry? I think it's the entirety of who we are. Yeah. So it's everything encapsulated. So there is no separation. So my entire being yes. is for the worship of God. So from yeah. when I wake up, from the way everything I do, how I relate to people, yeah. how I, whatever, just my entire being is dedicated to the worship of God. So there's no separation. And this is where... when I'm thinking or when I'm doing this. Yeah. It's everything. When I'm serving God, when I'm, you know, with friends, when I'm with family, when I'm at work, okay. basically everything about me is about the worship of God. And, and that is where I'd like to yeah. end. Uh, I love many, many answers, all fantastic answers, but Adetero just simplified it into one short sentence. Worship is everything you do daily. Okay. And we must please understand that. Otherwise, we undermine and make a mockery of this very, very privileged thing we call worship. It is everything that we do. The challenge, like the children of Israel, is that we oftentimes relegate worship to the time we go to the temple or the tabernacle or when we're bringing sacrifices. But worship is the entirety of your life. Look at how Roman, um, Paul says it in Romans, and somebody already put Romans, God bless you, um, on, on the screen. Romans chapter 12, it says, let me read first from, um, from, from the New Living Translation. And, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the, the kind... He will find acceptable. Remember, we talked about the worship that's acceptable to God. This kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The Amplified says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, your logical, intelligent act of worship. Ladies and gentlemen, the good news is that worship is everything that you do from the time you wake to the time you sleep, or it should be. The challenge is that we don't pay attention, so we don't worship appropriately. Um, quick question, um, we've got three minutes, quick question. It sounds like an oxymoron. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Very quickly. It's almost like an oxymoron. How can you be living and be a sacrifice? Anybody, quickly. By serving others. Thank you. By serving others. Laying aside uh, desires to follow him like living according to his will yes okay ah so, killing, sorry yeah, go on go on go on go on killing our flesh killing our be, what does killing, I, I, love, I love the fasting. phrase we use, we use it a lot what does killing our flesh mean fasting i guess okay now is killing your flesh just limited to fasting no 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 okay 
So take apart everything. from fasting, what yeah. does killing your flesh mean? Restraining <laughs> your inner self to okay. give, and giving yourself a way of disciplining your body and your flesh that wants to always get what it wants and do what it wants. Okay, thank you. To, go for him. to kill your flesh means to constantly surrender yourself to the dictate ah. of God. Yeah? Yes, yes. It surrender. means that everything about you is constantly aware. Remember, your life is meant to be worshiping God daily. So the question is, everything that I'm doing, is this honoring God? Is it respecting God? Is it humbling myself before God? Is it uh, acknowledging God? Everything that we do, that's what makes it worship. And that requires that we're constantly putting ourselves, our, our flesh down, surrounding ourselves. So I give an example as we end. Um, and I just thought about it because it's a very, very common thing that happens. So for those of you who are married, uh, those of you who are married and all of you who are not married but will get married, better listen and pay attention um, because you'll get married. Always happens in marriage. You have quarrels with your husband or with your wife, yeah? You uh, have a tiff. So I have a tiff with my wife and uh, she says something that actually annoys me and aggravates me. And then I want to speak back. And I want to say something that expresses my anger. I want to say something not so good. At that point in time, believe me, the spirit of God, for if you are surrendered and sensitive to the spirit, the spirit of God will nod you and say, ah, ah, ah. But how many of us listen to the spirit of God at that point in time? You know, most times we give way to our flesh and we say what it is that we want to say. Can I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, as we end, and it's just one example. Do you know that restraint, knowing that this is the spirit of God, knowing that this is not the right thing to say, it's not the right thing to do, knowing that this does not, will not honor God or respect God, knowing that I, 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 don't, I, I won't acknowledge the nature and character of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is worship and very pleasing to God because what you have shown to God is, you know what? I humble myself before you. I bow myself before you. We could go on and on, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, there's so much to talk about in worship. Um, but I, I, I thought we'd stimulate ourselves just, just to start to understand this very important thing. And this period of 21 days um, is actually a fantastic opportunity to bring ourselves to God, not just praying and fasting, but dedicating ourselves in worship. Incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, all of those things, fasting, prayer, they're all components of worship. When we pray, it's part of our worship to God. You know, we pray because we are bowing to God. We're acknowledging that he's the one that can do this and do that. It's part of worship. When we fast, it's part of worship. When we love people, it's part of worship. When we do good to people, when we show acts of love, it's part of worship. 
And the challenge is how can we live daily lives of worship? I think I'm going to be a good boy and stop. It's two minutes past eight. Um, if the Lord permits, we will talk a bit more about this, but I hope this would stimulate you to just, uh, um, actually, let me, there's, there's some st statements that I wrote down that I wanted to read as I was studying. Worship must always be God-centered, not man-centered. And you know, somebody might say, oh yes, but of course my worship is God-centered. No, no, it's not always, think about it. Think about what is your motive? What is your thinking when you're doing certain things? Is it to God or is it to man? Because if it is to man or for man or what, it can never be worshiped to God. Anything that is not God-centered is not worship. Um, Worship is not designed to please the worshiper. So we don't do things because it pleases us. Everything that we do that is acceptable worship is something that we're doing to please God. I think I must end. Um, yeah. Can we, it's four minutes. Can we take just one question so we don't overrun too badly? Um, one question, any burning question anybody wants to ask. Any okay, question? I'd like to ask this question. Um, I had um, a cousin that really offended me and sent me some terrible words. And um, I was thinking, oh, should I reply him? Should I not reply him? And I think the Spirit of God was telling me not to. Uh, and I was thinking we're fasting as well. You know, maybe I should report him to my uncle. Maybe my uncle could, ha could have a word with him. But at the same time, I know that the Bible says that, you know, when people do things even as you were talking like couples that sometimes you leave it to god god would um fight your battle for you and um, i remember a friend of mine was asking to have you sent um you, your cousin you have to ask the question quickly because we're okay, have you asked your cousin the question more or less is okay if um someone offends you very deeply mm. and obviously i haven't sent a reply yet do you is this a okay to speak to my uncle to speak to him or is it better to leave it to you know god to deal with everything because if i'm telling my uncle i'm also you know god is aware of it but should i mention it to my uncle okay or just there, 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 there's nothing wrong with mentioning something to somebody particularly if you want them to intervene in what's happening but you know as you're speaking i just felt the spirit say look at the scripture romans 12 1 living sacrifice you know there's so many things that we need to practice in the Bible. We need to practice where we become living sacrifice, dead to the things of the flesh, but sensitive to the things of the spirit. The Holy Spirit had already told you, leave it. Well, I haven't, you, no, like I shouldn't reply him. You understand? So I haven't replied him yet. I was thinking, oh, yeah, of course I did have, because it was very bad. I, I won't lie. I, I was thinking, but I haven't replied him for like over a week now. That, it's that, been that, over that, a week, and I haven't called my uncle like that. That, that's fine. It's just that time doesn't permit, but, but see, I could show you Bible. Um, how about forgiving him? How about loving him? Don't worry, don't you, you take us for him. Don't worry, don't worry. It's okay, it's okay. I was praying for him because you mentioned something like an act of... It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I just mean, if I leave it, like, if I don't tell my uncle, does that mean... It is okay. You can call me later. We'll talk later, yeah? <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. Uh, we're six minutes over. Uh, God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you at prayer.
um, at, at nine o'clock. <laughs> and uh, okay. have a wonderful evening. God bless you.